This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Hosted by Katie Milkman, an award-winning behavioral scientist and author of the best-selling book, How to Change, Choiceology is a show about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Hear true stories from Nobel laureates, authors, athletes, and everyday people about why we do the things we do. Listen to Choiceology at schwab.com slash podcast or wherever you listen. So we did put in an offer on one house and we put in an offer at 30,000 above asking and they told us that ours was the lowest offer. Okay. <laughs> but it's funny when we put it in, even though we loved the house, I just felt intense anxiety and a hope that we wouldn't get it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and I don't know why that is. Because then it would have meant you'd have to pay for it. Right? That's true. I mean, <laughs> welcome to How To. I'm science writer David Epstein. When was the last time you made a big purchase? Even if it was a while ago, I bet you remember how it felt. Were you maybe excited but also kind of stressed? Probably felt good when you received the keys to, say, your new car or maybe even your new house, right? But maybe you also remember that brief moment of alarm when you saw your bank account and it was missing a zero or two or three. Our listener this week dreads that feeling. Hi, my name is Alexandra. I'm from Southern California and I am an attorney. Alexandra's been an attorney for seven years now and she makes a good salary. But she has a really complicated relationship with money and that started back when she was a child. My dad left us when we were young. So my mom was a single mother. She actually was a teacher. She had a low, you know, a low income. And um, she also suffered from mental illness and she was a wonderful mom. And she loved us a lot, but there was a lot of instability and just, you know, a lot of times where we didn't have enough food to eat or um, we couldn't afford to pay the heating bill. So, you know, we lived in a hotel for a period. I've just always had a lot of anxiety around becoming homeless and having to depend on other people and not having, you know, money. And I mean, it's it's obviously had this lasting effect on you. So are there any sort of moments you remember like that still stay with you in a very visceral way? I don't think there was anything so dramatic as like a Tiny Tim Christmas or anything <laughs> like that. But I mean, I think what stuck with me most was that there were times that we couldn't afford food. Like towards the end of the month, sometimes my mom... Maybe I shouldn't say this, but she would have to write bad checks so that we could get food. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> but of course, you know, like she would just hope that they would wait to cash it mm -hmm. or something like that. So that's something that has really stuck with me. Alexandra never wants to write a bad check herself, and she's not going to. In fact, if anything, she's probably keeping too much money in her bank accounts. Everyone I know is like, well, that's not good. You're just letting it sit there. It's not doing anything for you. And that's true. And that's sort of why we're thinking about, should we buy another house? But it kind of does make me feel sick to think about spending money because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to me, money is security. My boyfriend grew up in very different circumstances. Um, so we've had fights about money. He's an engineer. So he's also a saver, luckily, but maybe not to the same extent. And so I remember early on in our dating life, I wanted to buy a donut and I didn't have cash. And he was like, oh, I'll just pay for it on credit card. But there was a 50 cent charge. And I was like, no, we can't pay 50 cents. Mm -hmm. Like we can't waste that money. 
you know, we might need that 50 cents. And so we had a fight about it. And I realized that sounds so ridiculous. But to me, 50 cents is like, you never know if you're going to need that 50 cents. If 50 cents was a problem, what's Alexandria going to do now that she and her boyfriend are looking to buy a house in the notoriously bonkers Bay Area real estate market? On today's episode, how to be more confident and smarter with your dollars. We've got an expert who really knows firsthand what it means to be anxious around money. Athena Lent answers all kinds of questions for Slate's financial advice column, Pay Dirt. She has some surprising tips for how to manage your cash so you can sleep at night. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Built for the modern explorer, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. And cargo capacity means more room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. A vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Choiceology is a show all about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Each episode shares the latest research in behavioral science and dives into themes like, can we learn to make smarter decisions and the power of do-overs? The show is hosted by Katie Milkman. She's an award-winning behavioral scientist, professor at the Wharton School, and author of the best-selling book, How to Change. In each episode, Katie talks to authors, historians, athletes, Nobel laureates, and everyday people about why we make irrational choices and how we can make better ones to avoid costly mistakes. Listen and subscribe at schwab.com slash podcast, or find it wherever you listen. The Bay Area is one of the wildest housing markets in the U.S., if not the world. Even relatively small homes can go for millions. And a home inspection? Forget about that. You might have to actually commit to buying the house before you even know if you can get a mortgage. And typically there are a lot of all cash offers. They were selling literally like fallen down buildings for a million dollars. So wow. Wow. Um, we looked at a condo that was listed at 800000 and it ended up going for $1.2 million. Wow. It was listed at 800000 So it went for, uh, so it went for 50% more than it was listed for. Yeah. Wow. So we're on a limited budget, of course, because I work in the public interest and I have student loan debt. So, you know, that is part of the anxiety is like, if we don't get in now when the market's low or relatively low, will we ever be able to buy a house there? Mm, and do you mind sharing like the order of magnitude of your student loan debt? I owe $250,000. Okay. So it's significant. Yes. But I'm lucky because I work in a public interest job. So eventually, assuming the public service loan forgiveness program still exists, 
eventually it will, it will be paid off. Wow. It, even that sounds like another sort of source of anxiety, just the way you just said that, assuming it still exists. Yeah. You never know. You never know. Congress can wake up one day and be like, uh, we're over this. Bye. And they can cancel it. And <laughs> Thanks, you have Athena. so many people now <laughs> that are in year eight or nine and you have to make it to year 10 and they can cancel it tomorrow. I thought Athena was here to make me feel better. Well, I, I am, but I, <laughs> you gotta make I, you feel am worse a, first. I am a realist. That's Athena Lent. In addition to writing advice for Slate's Paydirt column, Athena's the founder of Money Smart Latina. And as it happens, she's a certified trauma specialist, which actually comes in handy. I am the resident asshole of my friend group. It's out of love and it's not to, you know, be a jerk to you. So I am here to motivate you and make you feel better, but I am always also a realist. So we can, and that's part of feeling better is you can admit, Hey, this situation is shit and I don't know what to do. You had some pretty traumatic stuff that happened to you as a child. And just because you aren't one of those people that are standing on the street corner asking for money that doesn't take away from your childhood and your experience. And I just, I want to share that because um, it's okay to say, Hey, this bad thing happened to me. And um, a lot of our trauma is admitting it. Yeah. I, it feels disloyal to my mom though, in a way. And, and you know what? It's uh it's going to. Athena knows this from personal experience. I was homeless as well when I was growing up. Uh, my mom was a single mom and she passed away uh, when I was a freshman in high school. And she unfortunately passed away right in front of me. And I was passed around from relative to relative um, to be used for my social security checks. And wow. so as a result, I ended up living with friends off and on in high school. So I was, you know, truly homeless And so um, that sucked. And I think in our culture right now, we have toxic positivity. Yes. And everybody (laughs) everybody is like, oh, it's great. You just got to think positive. Everything's fine, you know? And I think that adds to people's guilt and it takes away from their experience and it takes away from admitting that something really shitty happened to them. And I just want to tell you, I'm sorry that happened to you. And it's no wonder you you hear housing or you think money and you flinch. And so have you heard of a money script before? Um, I read a lot of money advice columns. Mm-hmm. So um, I've heard about these scripts, but I, I don't know that I've heard of the money one. So a money script is basically your belief system. And Mm. it is things you tell yourself about money and it doesn't have to be right. It doesn't have to be wrong. It's just, it's just what you believe. Right. And so your money script, a lot of it, just like other beliefs you have in life, it comes a lot from when you're younger. So you associate um, money with your living situation. Right. Mm. So you hear, oh my gosh, like, Um, you know, your, your mom didn't have money to, you know, pay bills or, you know, she ended up, you guys ended up living with a relative. So in your head, you're automatically thinking, okay, if I don't make this rent payment or I don't make my mortgage, I'm going to have to go live with a relative. Yes, that's true. I'm hearing your boyfriend is an engineer and I know you guys keep your finances separate, but 
I am going to assume that if for some reason you couldn't make mortgage one month, he would be okay and he could cover you, right? That is true. But okay. the feeling of it is exactly. just like terror. <laughs> Let's say, the way you it, said that sounds like it doesn't feel true. Yes, even if you're it is like, true. Uh, it is true, but it doesn't feel right. And I get that. But I mean, so you don't necessarily have to go live with a relative if for one reason you can't make rent that month or your mortgage that month. But your mind is going to consistently tell you that because that's what you believe Because because that's what happened when you were younger. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But you are so resilient. Do you know how many people are homeless or experience homeless when they're younger and they end up turning to drugs? No, I didn't. It's a, it's a ton of people. You are so resilient right now. Like, and I just want you to give yourself a pat on the back because I don't think you give yourself enough credit for being homeless when you were younger and actually being able to turn it around and become a lawyer of all things you, you know um you're home you were homeless and high are you crying yes i'm sorry oh no don't cry i'm a i'm a crier i'm a crier yeah that's just so nice of you to say oh but it's true and you know i i said earlier i was the residential asshole in my friend group but that doesn't mean i wasn't <laughs> gonna motivate you and say nice things but i mean that's true like I don't think you give yourself enough credit because you are so busy. You were so busy trying to survive when you were younger that now you're thriving and it's scary to you, right? (laughs) Yes. I feel like it will be taken away. Like if I do something wrong or, you know, that I could just disappear. Athena, obviously what you were saying about the money script obviously resonated deeply with Alexandra and sharing some of your own story. So I was wondering if, and if you had to work on your your own scripts to get to get to where you are now? Oh my gosh, did I ever. So when I started actually making money, I couldn't hold on to it because mm. in my head it was going to be gone. It could be gone at any minute. And as a result of that, I developed a shopping addiction. Mm. And so when you have any addiction, your brain gets that hit and they're happy for a minute and then it goes down and they're constantly looking for the next thing. And so for me, that looked like um, going to Ross or going to Marshall's or TJ Maxx and trying to find name brand stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would have a new purse all the time. Um, or it looked like uh, spending money to get my hair done, spending money to do makeup um, instead of actually fixing what was wrong with me and Mm. why I needed that happy hit in the first place. Mm. That's so funny. My sister is exactly the same way. And that's funny because everyone is different and you're either going to hoard your money or you're either going to spend out of control. And Mm. so that's what I did. What was the end game of that? I mean, did you get into debt or what happened? Oh yeah. Um, So the end game of it was... So funny. So I went back to school and my FAFSA was approved, but I wasn't going to get the money for, I think, three months. Mm -hmm. And I needed to pay a thousand or two thousand dollars down for my tuition so I wouldn't lose my place in my classes. And so I went to my ex um, at my boyfriend at the time, my ex, and I was like, hey, can you like spot me some money and I'll pay you back? And he goes, no. And I'm like, what? Why not? And he was like, where does your money go? Mm. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Where does it go? <laughs> <laughs> and 
And he goes, when you figure that out, you tell me and maybe I'll give you some money. And I was like, oh, crap. So that's actually what made me go into personal finance oh, wow. and start reading blogs and writing and, you know, just trying to figure it out because I, I didn't know where my money was going. Wow. Okay, so you sort of reacted to your history with money in, in the polar opposite way that Alexandra mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. But as you said, I think those are just sort of different manifestations of the same, you know, underlying issues where where you develop some habitual response, whether it's like the fear of spending it or or the, the fear of keeping it, basically. But how, how can she sort of start changing her scripts, I guess, or, or sort of excavating the, the core problem? Yeah. So I already, I already mentioned to you that you are resilient, right? You now have money, you now have a career, you have a partner, I'm assuming again, that loves you to bits. So the hardest part of your life is over and you survived it. How does, Alexander, how does it, how does it feel to sort of hear that? I wonder if it's, it's probably not easy to process that as reality. Yeah. So it's sort of like, having faith that you can overcome things just like you did before, even if they bad yeah. things do happen. Yeah. Cause you know what? Bad things have already happened to you. And where are you? Yeah. You're sitting here with me and David and we're becoming <laughs> best friends, even if David doesn't know it yet. The first step is to look back at the obstacles you've overcome and realize that you got past them. You probably have even more tools now for grappling with adversity. You've made it before, you'll make it again. I think the voice in my head has always been, you have been lucky and the luck could run out. So I think if Mm -hmm. I were to change the script to, you know, you overcame these things, making it more that I'm a direct actor, I think it would really help me. Yeah. So one of the things I also recommend um, working when you work on the perception of yourself is to journal for 30 days. And it legit can be like, I hate it here. (laughs) And then you're done for the day. And, or it could just be writing whatever comes to mind. Athena made me do this. Yeah. (laughs) Athena made me do this and I hate it here. Day 23. (laughs) Um, You could ask yourself, you know, why do I have this belief about money? Or why do I think money? Why do I, why do I hoard on to money? And no one's judging you. And, you know, the more you write, you'll be surprised at what your brain tells you. So what would um, a healthy relationship with money look like? Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine that. Um, I guess it would look like knowing that when I have enough money, I don't feel anxious spending it. But I'm not living outside of my means. So you could start telling yourself, I have enough. I have enough money. I'm good. Those are our next steps. Once you identify what a healthy relationship with money looks like to you, actively change your money script. You can try affirmations or journaling to help reveal the buried emotions associated with money. Then, instead of worrying about losing money, try reassuring yourself that you can always make more of it. But what if something really bad or unexpected does happen? What then? When we come back, Athena has a plan.
Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. We're back with Alexandra and our expert, Athena Lent. Next, Athena is going to help Alexandra better understand her fiscal safety net. It'll serve as an emergency plan should the worst happen, but also as a reminder that she doesn't have to hoard cash. Alexandra can learn to spend money without it making her feel physically ill. So what are the things that are going to help you get through a bad time? I like to say, okay, tomorrow, if I lost my job, what is going to help me get through that? So is it I have a savings account? Is it I have numerous streams of income already, so I don't have to rely on just one? I have a network that will support me professionally. I have a partner at home. And I know if I have a bad day and I lose my job, he's going to be there. I'm going to be able to talk to him about it and it's going to be okay. I think that's a great idea and I'm going to do that. But sometimes when I think about those things because of, you know, what happened with my dad and... You get anxious. Yes, because I'm like, well, I can't... I don't want to teach myself to depend on people because then what happens when they disappear or do something bad to you, then, you know, my, I guess my thinking, my train of thought is you're going to end up homeless. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, okay. So you can do two different things. You can do one where it's, I, you know, I'm allowed to have people help me Mm. and you can do another uh, exercise where it's okay if if shit hit the fan tomorrow and this bad thing happens what are the things that I can do to make sure I have my back because at the end of the day you always have your own back right yeah I like that that feeling of being prepared this is our next step in order to feel prepared play out emergency scenarios in your head It's obviously no fun to think of bad things happening, but if you don't consider specific possibilities, then it's just like this amorphous blob of fear in your brain. So think about what you'd actually do if you lost your job or broke up with your partner. And then, in specific detail, plan your first five steps. What this does is break down a scary what-if situation into smaller tasks that actually feel achievable. And I do this all the time. Whenever I have an anxious idea or if there's something that is happening and I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And so one of the ways um, to deregulate when you are having a hard time with money is you look around the room. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking around my room right now. I'm in my living room and I'm in my kitchen and I'm in my dining room. Am I safe? Yeah. Are there any immediate threats to me or my security right now? No, I'm okay. And so I tell myself that I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm here. Okay. And so that helps with your money script because you, you know, you you can catch yourself doing something or maybe you have, you found a purse and you really like it. And it's a hundred dollars and you're having a hard time um, purchasing that purse. You can tell yourself, you know what? I'm safe. I'm okay. I have X amount of money in my checking account. I'm good. 
I got this. This purse is not going to destroy me. I'm safe. Okay. I like that. Thank you. The other thing that might help you feel more secure is knowing exactly where it is that your money's going. If you don't have a budget, you should have a budget. Athena recommends what's called zero-based budgeting. So with zero-based budgeting, you give every dollar a job. And so you're like, okay, I have $500. I've got $100 for food. I got $100 for rent. I have $100 for my cat. I have $100 for my internet. And I have $100 for my food. And so I can track my spending in each category. And, you know, some people find it restrictive, but it can also be freeing because then you see, oh, you know what? I gave myself $100 for my cat. And I actually only spent 75. I did really good in that category. And now I have $25 that I can put towards savings or that I can put towards fund Mm. money. And that's okay because my money has been allocated Hmm. and anything left over is just a bonus. dollar has a job. Interesting. And I know I'm not the expert, but one thing I have done to deal with my money anxiety, because I noticed that even though I had the money, I'd never, I didn't want to pay the bills because I was like, I don't want to spend money. So I signed up for auto pay so that I never have to see the money going out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That, that is smart. And I do, I do recommend that too. Um, But I mean, sometimes people just aren't there financially Mm -hmm. yet. Like I myself, I have some stuff on auto pay, but like stuff like big purchases, I don't have on auto pay, like my rent check. Mm -hmm. Right. Autopay can be great, especially if you have a habit of forgetting when bills are due. But you also want to be careful that it doesn't automatically overdraw your account or that you're not just using it so that you don't have to pay attention to when your money's going out. And that leads us to our next tip. Besides a budget, you should have a rainy day fund to provide a financial cushion. Athena's rule of thumb is three to six months of living expenses. So right now I have 45 months of (laughs) emergency fund, so to speak. And I know that I only need to have six. So does that mean that if I spend the rest on, let's say, a down payment, that I'm still sort of okay? I can tell myself you're okay. So you said you have 45 months, almost four years. So is it possible that you diversify that 45 months? So maybe 12 months goes into a high-yield savings account for an emergency fund. Uh, And then maybe... uh, 12 of those months, you go and you open up a money market account or an index funds, get some index funds going. And then maybe you can spend um, like one year or two years of that towards your down payment. Okay. I would not have all your money tied up in real estate just and like, yeah, you could probably turn around and sell the house. But my big thing is, and you just said you're a pessimistic thinker as well. What if you can't? Right. What if you're stuck with this house that you can't get rid of and you need the money. Mm -hmm. And then I think you would be more mad at yourself if you ended up taking a second mortgage out on your home. Like Athena said, it's not smart to invest all of your savings in one thing. As anyone who was alive in 2008 knows, the real estate market can go down and the stock market is famously volatile. There's no such thing as risk-free investing. So while it's often great in the long term to invest if you can stand the ups and downs, Just think about diversifying your funds. I mean, I think that diversification is a great idea um, because that will definitely give me more security um, or at least make me feel more secure. (laughs) 
Alexandra, you should never be made to feel a stupid for not putting money in the market. Like you, you may give up future gains, but you're obviously have, you know, a risk tolerance that means you, you need to work on your relationship with potential losses, Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to future gains and markets go down, right? Like there's a lot of FOMO with investing, you know, (laughs) especially when the market's going up. Uh, when the market's going down, not so much. So, so I just personally, you know, having grappled with some of this, uh, when I first came to have some money that I can invest, um, don't beat yourself up about not investing every dollar that you can, you know, like live your life, live in your house. Um, you are always going to forego some potential future gains in order for some security. It's just a question of what, what's that best balance for you. Mm -hmm. And finally, In addition to having a budget and a rainy day fund, figure out your net worth. Do you know your net worth, Alexandra? Um, sort of. I don't know. (laughs) So your net worth is all your assets and then you minus your liabilities. And that is what you're are at. That is your net worth. Um, I think that is very good financial knowledge for anyone to know where they stand. And it's really hard to make financial goals if you don't already know where you're at. Oh, I see what you mean. Yes, I definitely know my net worth, but I feel like that's a product of my anxiety. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But if you had like a Google sheet or something that had your net worth and was sort of tracking what goes out and what comes in each month, um, obviously that is a net positive given that you have these savings. So I wonder if that would make you feel, you know, if Athena is saying like, let's know this stuff more concretely, especially in your situation where the results have been good maybe knowing what's going in and what's coming out on a monthly basis would say like, oh, I actually do have this cushion, which is why it's growing. Oh, yeah, that's that's a good idea. That makes sense. I do think that would help. You know, I remember earlier in the conversation, you were going on about that 50 cents. <laughs> right. And you were like, no, I can't. We can't spend that 50 cents. And then you felt bad afterwards. And I think when you catch yourself doing those kinds of things, Um, you need to just be nicer to yourself a little bit too, if you can, and just say, you know what, I'm sorry. I freaked out about that 50 cents, but to me, that 50 cents would have helped, but I no longer need to worry about that 50 cents. Okay. I'm okay. I'm safe. Alexandra, just wanted to ask before we let you go, if you found this helpful. Yes, definitely. I think I'm going to go start journaling and I like the idea of laying out the steps that I will take if something bad happens. So I really appreciate both of your time. Thank you, Athena, so much. Yeah, I hope I was helpful. And um, you can also email me if you ever need to vent or just talk or be like, wow, today really sucked. And I could be like, yeah, it did, let's go. (laughs) You know, I'm here to help you and I'm here to support you. Thank you, I appreciate that. Thanks to Alexandra for sharing her story with us, and to Athena Lent for all her tough love. Catch her financial wisdom in Slate's Paydirt column and on Money Smart Latina. And if you like this episode, check out another episode called How to Get Out of Debt Faster Than You Think. You can find that and all of our episodes by subscribing to our feed. Do you have a problem that's burning a hole in your pocket? Send us a note at howtoatslate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-495-4001. We might have you on the show. Finally, if you want zero ads on how to or any Slate podcast, you can sign up for Slate Plus. 
Slate Plus members get benefits like bonus episodes of shows like Slow Burn and Big Mood, Little Mood, unlimited reading on the Slate website, and you'll be supporting the work we do here on How To. It's only $1 for the first month. To sign up, go to slate.com slash howtoplus. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Rachel Allen, Margaret Kelly, and Rosemary Belson produce the show. Our theme music is by Hannes Brown, remixed by Merritt Jacob, our technical director. Charles Duhigg is host emeritus. I'm David Epstein. Thanks for listening.